Today on Locked on Sox, we open up the mailbag and talk about the right field and second base positions. I hope this lockout ends soon. You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Sox. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. On today's episode, we'll be opening up Monday's mailbag on Monday, January 17th, 2021. And in this episode, we will talk about some MLB lockout issues that have been bugging me. We have your phone calls on the right field and second base positions. And we'll talk a little bit more about my guy, Kyle Schwarber. And I think I'm going to defend Leary Garcia today. I don't know if I'm going to defend him too hard, but I will defend Leary Garcia. Again, today is the Monday mailbag, and you can call in at 312-566-8727, or you can write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Now, it's been 46 days since the MLB lockout started, and before we get into your mailbag, I just want to talk to you a little bit, because I just spent the day over at my grandparents. We've been putting off our Christmas celebration because my aunt had COVID, then my cousin had COVID, and then my mom had COVID, so we were just avoiding COVID. And we got together today. Everyone's testing negative, and we're all fine. And, you know, it's great. I get to be around my family. I get to be around my uncle, my grandpa. You know, everybody's there, you know, wearing my mask, making sure we're staying safe. And we get to watch football, right? 49ers and Cowboys. Great game. Sloppy game. Some weird moments with the ref, especially near the end of that game. And I'm just sitting there taking in all of this great entertainment that the NFL is providing me. And honestly, I'm truly wondering why we put up with Major League Baseball and why we put up with baseball in general. There was a stat, and I believe it was from Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, and he said that CBS paid $70 million for that game alone, for that slot, that mid-Sunday slot, that 325 game for the Sunday wildcard game. That's where the NFL puts their marquee matchup. They're going to put two huge markets, San Francisco and Dallas there, and CBS, again, paid $70 million for that spot. And that number made me think about baseball. And if you've been paying attention, the MLB is trying to sell its weekday package. You know that the MLB and Sunday Night Baseball is on ESPN, Home Run Derby, some MLB wildcard games. Those are on ESPN. But their weekday games currently don't have a provider. And Apple is currently in the running. They were getting really poor and desperate and try to get Barstool Sports involved. And you even look at the money with the ESPN deal and ESPN cut its fee from $70 million to a reported $555 million back in May. So you look, and the business of baseball is truly suffering. And you look right now, we're 46 days into a lockout, and we can't get any progress. Baseball fans have been crying out, just annoyed, frustrated, and angered at the way that Rob Manford has treated their sport. And I, even though I do not like Roger Goodell, And he did have a little bit of a lock out there. I think it was 2011. He's been fine for the sport. Rob Manfred for baseball is killing the sport. How many times have you been watching an MLB playoff game and you've just been sitting there wondering when the next pitch is going to happen? There was a video. It was from Foolish Baseball. I know I bring him up a ton, but he was talking about Mark Burley's speed pitching. 
And Mark Burley's average game or something like that was, of course, like two hours and 14 minutes. As White Sox fans, you know this. In the average World Series game, I believe with commercials, is three hours and 46 minutes. There was a span in the 2018, I think it was. No, it was, 20, it was when the Cubs won the World Series, so it was 2016. This is long ago. This is five years ago. This is a very old example. Pedro Baez of the Dodgers took two whole minutes to deliver a pitch. And he compared that, Foolish Baseball compared that to Burley. And Burley, in that time span, already had eight pitches thrown. And I know that Mark Burley is an outlier, but there is nothing being done to help this sport, even pace-wise, to live, to thrive, to survive. People don't want to watch baseball. People don't want to be stuck there for hours and hours and hours. It's supposed to be a leisure sport, but it's also supposed to be somewhat active. And the worst thing about tonight's NFL game was the refs. And you could say that for the Bengals and Raiders game. The worst part about that game were the refs. Slow to get the ball down, slow to get the clock running, some bad calls here and there. But that's sports. You expect human error. But you don't expect human neglect for years and years and years and years. And that's what we've gotten from Rob Manfred. It's brutal to watch as a baseball fan. It tears my heart out because this game could still be very popular in America, but we're not doing anything to save it. And I understand that the players are trying to get as much money out of the sport as they possibly can. And I understand that owners are trying to get as much money out of this sport as they possibly can. And I'm just sitting here wondering why the MLB owners put up with Rob Manfred. Because you look at the NFL and you can ask the same question of the NFL owners about Roger Goodell. But go look at the business of the NFL. They dealt with so many player safety issues that people thought it might have killed the sport. But they made the right changes. They made the necessary changes. And now that's not even a, a blip on the radar for some people. Concussions are still happening in the NFL. People are still going to be dealing with CTE because of football. But it seems like the NFL has at least put some effort and control into helping their sport and the longevity of their sport. What has baseball done? What has Rob Manfred done? And what has Rob Manfred done to help the wallets of the players and the owners? I don't see it, and I don't understand it. And 46 days to get a deal done for a lockout is starting to get pathetic. I said that I think the player is going to have a, a new proposal in this week, and then I think that the hopefully the owners will get in a, a, a proposal by next week. But what, we're going to be looking at the AFC and NFC championship game and we're still going to be stuck in a lockout? It's sad. Major League Baseball needs a better governing body today. Whew. Hey, you might be looking for a new body. You might be making New Year's resolutions. It is the new year. If yours is about getting fit, your New Year's resolution is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Have you ever gotten into a new year, started the same resolution, and just haven't been able to eat healthy because it just gets so boring? By week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. I need chocolate. Built Bars are covered in 100% 
real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. And there's so many Built Bar flavors to choose from, you will never get bored. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. I appreciate you letting me get that off my chest. I really hope the lockout ends soon because baseball needs it, to be completely honest. And I need your voicemails, 312-566-8727, or you can write in LockdownSox at gmail.com. And we have, a, we have a new caller. I don't know if he was with Tanny and Herb, but I don't remember this guy. I don't remember anyone of this name calling in before. We might have a new caller. So, guys, I want you to right now turn down. Well, don't turn it down. Turn it down a little bit so you can still hear me. And I want to say I want you to welcome Stu. Everybody, let's welcome Stu. One, two, three. Welcome, Stu. Hey, this is Coach Stu, lifetime Sox fan living downstate in Columbia, Illinois. My thoughts are I would love to get Kyle Schwarber as a right fielder for us. We know his offensive production potential, including in the postseason, but the character guy that he was and is would be huge for our team. I feel if we invest in him, re-sign Carlos Rodon, if we can enable that by having uh, having us be able to unload salaries of Keiko and or Kimbrell, we're going to be a better team. We need to uh, re-sign to Para. And uh, if we do all that and have Lurie or second base by committee, we're going to be a good baseball team. Just looking for your thoughts on that. Thanks. Coach Stu coming in with the heat on his first call. Thank you, Coach Stu, for the call. You can call in 312-566-8727, or you can write in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. And, Stu, you've kind of laid out the offseason plan that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks here, that Kyle Schwarber would be an excellent addition to this White Sox squad. And you talked about the leadership there and his postseason performance. And yes, very, very important to add to the team. However, with the White Sox, I don't really care about the leadership and the quality of person that they're bringing in. I mainly just care about the ball player that they're bringing in at this point. And Kyle Schwarber can hit 50 home runs. There's not many guys in the major league that can do that right now. And I I think that's the biggest thing that the White Sox need to focus on. They need to bring in talent. They need to bring in guys that put fear into the hearts of pitchers. And I I don't know, this could be all TWTW, this could be all the will to win, all garbage, but there just seems to be something. And I think honestly, Tim Anderson and Luis Robert might have been the only players that have shown it, but it does seem like in the postseason that some of the guys are a little bit too afraid of the spotlight. And I think of that with Eloy Jimenez And obviously, Eloy didn't have a full 2020 postseason, so it would be a little bit unfair to judge him. So I won't go towards him. But I look at Jordan Alvarez, who came into the league at the same time as Eloy, and Eloy was a higher-ranked prospect. He was eighth in the MLB. Jordan Alvarez was 45. And obviously, Jordan is all hitting. And, And Eloy wants to be a multifaceted baseball player. He wants to be a baseball player. He wants to hit. He wants to field. He wants to contribute. But Jordan's only hitting, and he's he's more productive than Eloy. And that's the thing with the White Sox, is they just need to make better baseball decisions. 
and I feel like I'm coming off of the point here and, and the point that you asked about the idea of Schwarber, Rodon, Tapera, and if we'd be fine with Leury. But I, I just wonder, you know, why the White Sox aren't aggressively trying to fill the two biggest holes, which are right field and DH. And I think that maybe the offseason plan would be a little bit more clear if they had more of a direction with Eloy. Because, I mean, what happens if he just gets hurt in the first month again? I, I understand he's trying his hardest out there, but I do wonder about the longevity of this baseball team. And that's why I don't think you can skimp out. I don't think you can skimp out on Schwarber because, like I said, and like you said, he produces. And I, that's what this White Sox team needs. They need to stop looking at the bottom line and they need to start looking at the baseball decisions that will help them win games. And Kyle Schwarber will help them win games. I think Carlos Rodon can help them win games. However, it's just a, it's a tough situation because I think all of the money that they would want to give to Carlos Rodon is tied up to Dallas Keuchel. And I don't think Dallas Keuchel will be traded because I don't think that they're going to put a salary floor in. So I don't think Rodon will be back. The Kimbrell thing and the, the Tapera Kimbrell thing, that's all up in the air as well. I would be fine with Kimbrell coming back, but I would also, and we talked about this with Jordan Lazowski, I like the idea of taking the $16 million that Craig Kimbrell's already making and splitting that up into two relievers. I would be fine with Tapera coming back. I also really like Colin McHugh. If there was anyone to bring in from the free agent market, reliever-wise, I like Colin McHugh. And to go to your Liori part with you know second base by committee, that's what's going to happen. And I think people need to relax a little bit on Liori and, and stop being worried so much about second base. Because at the end of the day, second base is such a small position. It's, it's one of the weakest positions in MLB. And you look at where Garcia matches up to, you know, just second base around the league. He's the 22nd best second baseman. But like people love David Fletcher. People love Jeff McNeil. Leary's put up more war than both David Fletcher and Jeff McNeil over the past two years. Leary's fine. He is signed to be a utility guy where they can plug and play and help the team wherever they need. Right now, it's second base, and that's all right. And that's why I'm really excited, too, and we talked about this last Friday, about the Jake Berger possibility of him taking more work at second base, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later uh, with a, a voicemail from Alex. But I just think people need to stop worrying about second base. That will be fine. Start worrying about right field and start worrying about DH because... I'm still worried by the fact that Eloy's our left fielder. I'm worried that we might be starting Andrew Vaughn or Adam Engel out in right field. And DH might be left up to the scraps, right? And this is what that team cannot afford. I, I do not think the team can go without addressing right field and DH this offseason. I hope that answered your question. And thank you for calling in Coach Stu. The next call is along the same lines, and we go out to our guy, second time he's calling in, good to hear him again, John in Brookfield. Hey, Sean, John from Brookfield. You got to get that voicemail updated. Danny's still greeting me. Listening to your podcast about right fielders, and uh, we keep talking about Schwarber as, a, as you know your number one right fielder option. How about Schwarber as our DH, and you know we let Adam Engel play right field for his defense, and his bat was coming around. I know last year he was injured, but, uh, you know, his bat was coming around, and he was looking good. If he could stay healthy, I think he, in 
potentially our best option at right field, bringing Schwarber or Soler to DH, and you get those runs while having a great defensive glove and right. Thanks, man. Love the show. Have a good one. Thank you for the call, John and Brookfield. And hey, Taney kept Jim Tomey locked in his basement to introduce Locked On Sox when they were doing it. And I'm keeping around Tanny for the voicemail because it's cheap labor. Also, he set it up and I don't know how to change it. So I'll try to figure that out. Thank you for letting me know, John. And to address your question about Schwarber to the DH, this is what I was trying to set up because I knew, obviously, John's voicemail covered this topic. But what I really want to drive home here is Ingle is totally playable in right field. My biggest concern about him is is the injury issues. A lot of leg injuries uh, have been popping up for Adam Engel. 36 games in 2020. 2021 was not a shortened season, and he only played 39 games, right? 75 games over that stretch. He was extremely productive. Per 162, if he played 162 games with the numbers that he put up in 2020 and 2021, he'd have a 22 home run season and nearly a 500 slugging percentage and an OPS above 120. He is not an average hitter. He is an above-average hitter from 2020 to 2021. However, one of everyone's favorite you know, term is small sample size. I do, however, have a feeling that Adam Engel is at least legit here because Mike Rakin told this story to me before. I don't know if he's ever told it on a podcast. And I don't really know. It's not my story to tell, so I'm not going to tell the story. But Mike was down in Arizona. He got the chance to speak with Adam Engel. And Mike talked about just the passion and energy that Adam Engel had to trying to make his major league career work and become a great hitter. So I'm not really writing off Adam Engel's production as small sample size because I think this guy has worked his ASS off to be in the spot that he is. However, again, injuries are something that are not under his control. So that's the biggest worry that I have about him is something that is just completely uncontrollable. Would I like to see him play in the 2022 season and have a healthy season? Absolutely, because I think that he could be a truly, truly great fourth outfielder. But I was, as I was kind of alluding to earlier with the whole Eloy point was, I don't know how secure all of these outfielders are, right? Engel has uh, injury issues. Uh, Eloy obviously has injury issues and just defensive issues. Can Andrew Vaughn actually play in the outfield? He ended up getting banged up near the end of the season. Gavin Sheets didn't have a long time out in the outfield. I am concerned about the longevity of the outfield. I think the talent's there, but the longevity does worry me. Now, with Schwarber moving to the DH, again, I I said earlier, I think that he can hit 52 home runs. He could be a great clubhouse guy. He can have great postseason stats. I think that in guaranteed right field, Kyle Schwarber could hit 50 home runs. And like I've mentioned before, the White Sox are the worst American League team over the past two years at DH production. So, Kyle Schwarber hitting 50 home runs from the DH position, sign me up. And I want to be clear, sign me up for Conforto, sign me up for Schwarber. I put those guys in the same tier. I would really like Schwarber because I think that they want to make Eloy work. I think that Eloy would be upset if he became a full-time DH. I don't think he wants to take the Jordan Alvarez route, so you're going to have to play him in left field. So that's why I think that if Schwarber was to be signed by the White Sox as a DH, they can make Vaughn, Ingle, Sheets work in right field, Eloy work in left field, and Schwarber in DH. But injuries, longevity, 
I, I would be concerned about all of those players in that spot. And I guess that's the downside of signing Schwarber over a Conforto because you're not getting a great fielder or a good fielder where Conforto is much better than, than Schwarber and you wouldn't have to worry about putting him out in right field. Thank you, John, for the call. I really do appreciate it. First call in the new year. And Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year, John, since you just called in. They're continuing their march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year, and Bet Online has a new updated desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Again, sign up at betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Kind of suggested maybe Schwarber for the Phillies. You obviously have a clear opening in left field now and want another middle of the order bat. First of all, what did you do with Schwarber? Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. I meant to play that uh, when John called in that voicemail. That was John Heyman talking to the now Phillies hitting coach, Kevin Long. Kevin Long was the Nationals hitting coach last year, and I meant to bring that clip up in talking about Kyle Schwarber. You might be wondering where I'm getting that 50 home run number from. You saw Schwarber in Washington sort of unlock himself, and that was due to work with Kevin Long. He started hitting off of a high tee, and it kind of readjusted Schwarber's swing. You remember he came in, people were saying he's the new Babe Ruth, right? He started showing that in Washington. And I think that now these changes can really bring the White Sox a power bat that they have not seen since Adam Dunn. And Adam Dunn, I understand that brings a lot of bad memories for the White Sox, but also maybe try to go back to your first memory of when the White Sox signed Adam Dunn. I know I was excited, and the reason why he's so infamous in this town was because he sucked. It was because he didn't live up to the expectations. But the expectations were a 50 home run hitter, And I think that the White Sox can get that in Kyle Schwarber. So I'm sorry I didn't bring that a little bit earlier, but Kevin Long in that clip, you don't hear him speaking because he's looking at John Heyman going, shh, the guy who now is on the rival team that he was coaching. He was on the Nationals. Now he's on the Phillies. They're in the market for a left fielder. And he's telling John to shut the bleep up about this hidden gem because Kevin Long knows it too. Even though he's a defensive liability, Kyle Schwarber in left field or right field or the outfield in general, he's telling John Heyman to shut up about it because of what his bat can do. I'm just saying, I don't think the White Sox can miss this opportunity. We're going to wrap up Monday Mailbag with our guy out in Bolingbrook. What's up, Alex? What's up, Sean? Alex from Bolingbrook here calling in with another question for the Mailbag. Pour one out for an old friend. Melky Cabrera has just announced his retirement from baseball. Sorry that he couldn't do anything with the Sox. From what I heard, a nice nice guy. So credit where credit's due. A career is coming to an end, and 
wish him success in whatever uh, he decides to do from here. But in any case, let's talk about the future of the White Sox. Um, after listening to what you had to say about Jake Berger practicing second base, I'm curious because of the fact that in AAA, if memory serves in AAA Charlotte, he did have games where he started at second base and supposedly showed some promise there which is probably why the White Sox are having him practice more and more at second base this offseason. In the event that that's what they decide to do, if he kind of builds his repertoire at second base and they dis- and throughout spring training, however short it happens to be with this whole lockout thing, if he hones his skill, do you think having Jake Berger, a career third baseman, converted into our second baseman, do you think that would be better, worse, or about the same as starting Larry Garcia at second base every day this year? I honestly think that the Sox will win more games with Jake Berger as the starting second baseman than Larry. I honestly like the idea of Berger at second in a starting lineup more than Larry. Am I crazy, or is this something that you feel so as well? Happy retirement to Mr. Melky Cabrera. Thanks and have a great one. No, we're never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. I don't think you're crazy, Alex, and I'm excited for Jake Berger just because I really want to see him, the person, succeed. It seems like he's a great kid. It seems like he truly loves baseball, and that's why he's currently working out at second base during this lockout. That's why he saw him come up so quickly get up to AAA, make it to the major leagues, and thrive in the major leagues is because he truly loves baseball and is dedicating himself to the sport. So I'm rooting for Jake Berger, but I would say you're crazy because the work being done over the offseason is is vitally important for Jake Berger for two reasons. One, because it could possibly give him a chance to make a major league roster. And two, in the games that he played down in Charlotte at second base, He was, how do you say, horrible? I think the reports from when he first started was that he does just look uncomfortable out there and that he doesn't look unathletic and not able to make the plays, just very uncomfortable out there. And that showed in the stat line. He only played five games there, started four 35 and one-third innings total in AAA at second base for Jake Berger. And over that time, he did make two errors. So it's not like an error a series, but it's it's basically close to, you know, two errors a series. I just, I, I don't know if he's ready yet. And again, it's not like errors are the end-all be-all. You're trying to get to balls that you've never even had to play before. And it's only five games, 35 innings, small sample size. And Like you saw in the video, he's working on it. He's training on it. He's getting better and better the more and more he practices. So I don't think that you're crazy because that's what we need to do. You need to just try to figure out where guys can play, where guys can produce. And if you can find production anywhere, whether it's from a first round pick you thought was a third baseman, now moving to second base years later, maybe that's what needs to happen. But are you crazy for thinking that Jake Berger might give you better production than Larry Garcia? Yes. Like I said, he's like the 20th best second baseman in baseball over the past two years, Leary Garcia. And I understand that Leary's not consistent and Leary isn't this great power bat, but what Leary does give you is just consistent effort and knowledge of second base. 
he is a utility guy because he has the athleticism and baseball IQ to play many different positions. But even with Leury, he can look like Jake Berger at second base when you put him in right field. Remember that Houston playoff game where that ball just flies over his head? Leary is more of a natural infielder, and I think that Jake, being a natural infielder, can adjust to second base. But I think that he probably will have to start in, in Charlotte at second base to even get the proper amount of reps because I don't even think spring training would be enough for him. And even if he's called up, you can't expect him to be better than Leary Garcia because Leary Garcia has been doing this at a major league level for years. You'd hope that Jake Berger can do it, but even Leary, who has played the outfield plenty of times in his career, can look like a minor leaguer out there at times. That's just because baseball is very difficult and moving around positions is very difficult. And that's why, like, you know, what Chris Bryant just did in 2020 was spectacular. There's reasons why he was being talked about as an MVP early on in the season because he's playing out of position for the Cubs to try to help their team win. Jake Berger, if he went up to second base and performed at a two-war level, I think White Sox fans should be writing thank you letters to him because he put in so much work to get to become an average player at a position he's never played. I think it's a very, very, it's a very, very big wish for Jake Berger to be better than Gary Garcia at second base in his first year. However, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't play there, and it doesn't mean that he shouldn't get reps there because the more reps, the more improved that he will be at that position and the more the White Sox won't have to get crazy with their ideas like starting a rookie third baseman at second base. It's something that they need to work him in. They need to get him more time, but it's really good and encouraging to see him putting that work and effort in before he even touches a baseball field. Now, before we wrap up the show and before we wrap up the Monday mailbag, I do just want to talk about the Melky Re- uh, Cabrera uh, retirement because the last opposing player to hit a cycle at U.S. Cellular slash guaranteed rate field was Melky Cabrera. August 2nd, 2009, when he was a member of the New York Yankees, he went four for five with a home run, a double, a single, and a triple. So shout out to Melky Cabrera, former White Sox, as well, I think we all remember the picture of him, Todd Frazier, and Jeff Samarja uh, all holding up their new jerseys as they adorn, I think it was the 2014 free agent class, 2015 free agent class. Good memories for White Sox. And, and shout out to uh, Melky Cabrera, uh, uh, you know, a, a real true legend. But that's going to do it for the Monday Mailbag. Feel free to call in 312 566 8727, or you can write in at LockdownSox at gmail.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. I think on Wednesday, I'm going to look into the Eloy trade topic just because I've heard people mention it and I want to, I really want to flesh out the idea. Would it be stupid? Would it be smart? Should they entertain it? I really don't know. (laughs) And I would like to figure that out with you on Wednesday. Go make your second listen, Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I'll talk to you on Wednesday here on Locked On Socks.